John 3, 16. How many of you have heard it before? How many of you have seen it on the faces of our athletes, you know, on their cheeks, playing baseball or football? Uh, anybody? I think that's just really, for me, it's a little different for me. So what, what does this passage mean? For God so loved the world, and it's usually done, it's a little bit like damn Yankee, it's one word, right? It's, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have the dead. You know, it's, it's just, it's a string of words with no spaces between. What does it mean? How has it been used? What does this phrase, I mean, you've heard this, right? Everybody wants you to know, for God so loved the world. What does it mean? Sacrifice. Okay, yeah. It was the big guy who created the heavens and the earth. There's nothing wrong here. I mean, this is when you shout it on out, because this is what you've been told. This isn't necessarily what's right or wrong. What have you been told? What have you been, what have you been taught to believe? Yeah. Um, as a child growing up in the Presbyterian Church, this was taught and talked about again and again and again. And as a child, what it meant to me was um, that God even loved me. God even loved you as a child when you weren't sure. Right. God didn't just love the world, God loved everyone. I'm going to back up to the beginning of this passage because it's actually um, really bizarre. Just as Moses held up the serpent in the desert, does anybody know what this references? I'm not expecting to see a hand. They were doing that, they got in trouble for lots of things. But I want you to open your minds to this weird situation. The people of God were not harmonious with one another. They were unhappy. They were saying, oh, woe is me. We are in the desert. The food sucks. It's a long ways to go. We have no sight of the promised land and our feet hurt. We're tired. We want to go home. Yeah, and we're really unhappy. And God, why did you do this to us? And Moses, why did you lead us out of Egypt, this great place where we were simply enslaved, to die in the wilderness? God had had it up to here. God had given them bread. God had given them quail. God had given them water from the rock. And still the complaining continued. Can you imagine such a thing? So God said, you know what? We're going to whip a few serpents upon the people. And the serpents came into the camp and they'd bite the, the people on the ankle and they started to die. Yeah, this is a happy, happy, happy story. 
And then the people said, oh, wow, we need help. And so God tells Moses, make a serpent out of bronze, put it in the middle of the camp where everyone can see it, and if someone gets bit on the ankle or on the leg or on the hip or on the thigh or on wherever, they look at it and they'll live. That's what that means. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must get lifted up. This is a very strange introduction to God so loved the world. Okay? Can we agree on this? This is very strange. The serpents didn't go away. I want you to hear this. The serpents didn't go away, it just didn't kill them. Where do we go? And, and this, is what, what, this is what I think happens in our lives. Something happens. One of the best women we will have in church ever, Phyllis Trupa, can't breathe. How could this possibly be? Okay. Phyllis has two choices. Phyllis can get unbelievably ticked off at God that this happened. Or she can turn to God for help. As a religious person, this is your two choices. Right? God's either on the hook or God's your source of help. God doesn't take away the disease. Sometimes God does, and I don't pretend to understand why. But I do know God gets us through. God gets us through. And where, what do we do? Do we look for help? Will we lift our eyes, and will we look for help? Will we look for help? God so loved the world that there is a source out there for help for help for god didn't come to condemn the world but to save it you look on the serpent you live you still got a bite in your ankle and it hurts but you get through the day and you get to the other side do we do that or don't we that's the first point the second is do we decide that we're going to use what Jesus does to bring life for the opposite? How many of you have heard of God so loved the world against other people? If you don't believe in the Son of God, you are condemned already. Right? Those people. Anytime you hear the word those, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. In Georgia right now, they've got a law that there's, it's, it's already passed the Senate, and it's going to, I'm sure, pass the House. Hopefully it won't. But it is the most restrictive law. It's worse than the Arizona law, and, and everybody's basically saying it, it's a backlash against gay marriage. And, and so they're trying to say, we're, we, want, we want to have ways of discriminating against people we don't like. But the thing is, is what it says is that if you have a religious conviction, then the state must show a compelling reason 
to infringe upon that. So, if you're black, hey, there's good stuff in the Bible to say, uh-uh, sin of Onan, all that other stuff. There are, when, when the North fought the South on the issue of slavery, the Bible was on the South's side. The texts, the individual texts were on the side of the South. It was the North that said, if you look at the Bible as a whole, you cannot take slaves. You just can't. Texts say you can. The spirit of the Bible says no. Are we going to use Jesus and faith in Jesus to say it's okay to discriminate? Are we going to do that? Is that okay? We're living in this period where sometimes I hear, um, you know, Muslims need to cry out stronger against radicalism. I agree with that. But the church that I understand and the Christ that I follow, we have also got to raise our voices and say enough is enough. This is not the gospel that I know. This is not the gospel that set me free. We had a group at Chapman. Um, it was a delightful group. They were here on Friday, and they're making a little short film. And they've got uh, they have professional actors from the Screen Actors Guild that are donating their time because they believe in it. It's a story uh, about a woman who gets saved from, she's almost hit by a car, but she gets pulled out of the way by this man, and she's so grateful that she needs to tell him she's grateful, and she finds out he's gay. And now she needs to save him because he saved her, she needs to save him. So the scene that they filmed on the sidewalk uh, gives him this great big smooch. You would have liked it. It was a good one. It was. As smooches go, it was really pretty good. And, and she was beautiful, and he was beautiful. And, and he's like, are you kidding me? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think I'm from one kiss from you? And, and then they go, and they, um, they filmed in our, um, in our library, and they set it up like a, a pastor's study, and she's talking to her pastor. And the pastor says, yes, in the Bible, um, it says that those things are wrong, but we must love them. We must love people, and so you need to get over it. And that's as far as the movie could go. And I, I sat down with the producer, and I said, you realize this just church wouldn't stop there. This church would actually say, you know, love is love. And he says, I know that but our audience isn't ready to hear that. Isn't ready. Our audience is ready to hear the idea that the Bible says it's wrong, but we need to love people. You know, you've heard the expression, hate, love the sinner, hate the sin. That's part of that. Uh, and I just think it's so sad, and I, and I said, you realize... That's not where this church is. And so what he's agreed to do is at the end of the film, he's going to show um, our open and affirming statement. 
at the end of the film and saying the church that this was filmed at not only supports but affirms. Not only welcomes but affirms. But we have got a long ways to go as a people. And I want us to think when the snakes of our lives come in and bite us on the ankle because they do. They just do. You get bit. And we can say, God, if only you took away the snakes, then I'd be happy. Like, you know what? I'm going to hold up this stupid bronze snake. You look at it and you're going to live. You're still going to be in pain. You're still going to walk with a limp for a while, but you're going to live. You're going to get through it. And you brought the dumb snake on yourself anyway. This is confession time. I have a neighbor who's in Bahamas for 340 days of the year. He's a great neighbor. He's gone. And he's got a, he's got a, um, a van that he puts in front of his driveway, and then he lets his neighbor across the way park there. Well, his neighbor got a new car. It's too big. So now the neighbor parks in his spot. He's got two spots below his house, which he doesn't use. And he's now put his van, which will not move, right in front of our, you know, is, is the edge of our property so Michael can't park his car. And it's like, so everybody in the street is screwed because of the parking of our neighborhood. It's just there aren't spots. It's like the man has one, two, three spots, and he's parking none of his vehicles in his spots. So he can do a favor for a neighbor who has got a driveway and a garage, and there are no vehicles in his driveway, and there's vehicles in his garage. Yeah. I was really happy. I was a happy, happy man. I was feeling loving. I was feeling accepting. I was feeling neighborly. I'm thinking, what can I do to screw it to this neighbor? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking... You know what? I could really make my neighbor's life a living hell if I do this. I'm thinking, do I simply want to look up at the brass snake and be healed? Or do I want to hold on to the injury? That's the choices we all make every day. So when you see, for God so loved the world, I want you to be like Phyllis. And I want you to think about that this is about God's love for everybody. Can we affirm that? Can we celebrate that? And can we agree that when we're in trouble, we need to look to Christ. We need to look to God. We need to look above and beyond our stupid running around trying to fix it ourselves, which never ends up working. I'm as guilty of this as anybody sitting in these chairs, pews, whatever they are. But I know where I'm supposed to look. And I know that God sent Christ into the world not to condemn the world, not to discriminate against anybody, but to save the world. And that's good news. Amen.